Hello and welcome to Tarot Bites. I'm Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of the Tarot Coloring Book and your host for this podcast series. This is episode 122 of Tarot Bites, the podcast where I dish out short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on how to read tarot. And for today's episode, our topic is Tarot for Writers. And we will be talking with Caroline Donahue, a writer, writing coach, and host of the Secret Library podcast. Welcome, Caroline. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Uh, you have a new book out. It's called, yeah, The Story Arcana. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Basically, I, a few years ago, decided that I wanted to get more into cards that I never picked for myself. I don't know if you have this experience, but if you're reading for yourself, I found I was always pulling the same cards. And so I came up with this challenge for myself that I was going to do 100 tarot readings over the course of a summer. And I said, I'll just do it by donation, whatever. But I just, and I did, I pulled different cards than the ones I pull for myself and I wanted to build a relationship. And then I had one friend who said, well, I'm interested in doing a reading for this project, but... I don't need it for myself. I'm working on this writing project. And I said, well, I don't see why we can't do a reading for your writing project. So we did it for, I believe it was for her main character. And the reading was so amazing that I started thinking about, huh, I mean, characters in books are just as much real people, you know, in the process of the story as anyone else you might read for. So I started thinking about how you could apply that. And I found there were a couple of other people, but not many doing it. And I run a writing group. Um, called the Coffee Shop Writers Group. And I started to bring in the tarot and found it was extremely helpful. And so the book came out of a six-month program I did with clients where we started at the beginning with The Fool and went all the way through the major arcana and followed the process both archetypally as the way a character would go through the story of a book, but also the way the writer goes through the process of coming up with the idea working really hard on it, doubting that the idea is going to work out, and then ultimately ending up with a book at the end. That's really cool. So the thing I also want to go back to is how did you get started with tarot anyway? So I'm always fascinated with, you know, how people discover it. I mean, what was your experience? Was this deliberate? Was it intentional? Did you discover it by accident? I feel like it was it was sort of presented to me. It was like this bizarre mystical experience. I went to college in the middle of Ohio at Kenyon. And one day I was lucky enough to have a car at school. And one day I just said after class, I don't want to go back to my dorm. I'm going to Columbus. And so I drove to Columbus and I did what I do whenever I go anywhere, which is I find a bookstore. So I was pulled into this bookstore and there was a book on tarot and there was also a deck that was really beautiful. I think it was the spiral tarot. And I said, I'm going to buy this for myself right now. I have no idea why, and but I just have to have it. And I brought it back, and I think I was about 19, and I just got super into it from that point. I found the cards beautiful. I loved thinking about it. I loved drawing them. Granted, a lot of my questions were, does he still like me at the time? But I really built a relationship with it. And then I had a roommate who was really into it as well. And we decided to do an event one night. And I was shocked 
at what happened. I just got really into the flow. We had a line out the door down the street and I would pull a card and say something like, are you getting a piercing this weekend? And the person said, that's what I was going to ask about if it was a good idea. And I had no idea how I was figuring this out. So I knew I had a relationship to it from the beginning, Um, but it was only, I mean, 15, 20 years later that I realized I could use it as part of my writing experience. That's so fascinating because I also, um, I'm a book fanatic. I mean, I have a book I know. (laughs) And you know, my first foray into tarot also, it was, I actually came into it through astrology. I started studying astrology first because of a friend's mother. And I went to a bookstore at the mall on one of those rare occasions that we went to the, the mall. And I was never one of those girls who gave a rip about clothes or shoes. It was always, boom, straight to the bookstore or the record store. They don't have records anymore. This shows you how old I am. And it was always like, I'm going to get music, I'm going to get books. And that's how I discovered my tarot deck, my first tarot deck. And, you know, it was love at first sight. And I've had a tarot deck in my hand ever since then. And it's been almost 40 years now, which is Amazing. insane. So I find it fascinating how people discover it. And so now, so you started using it then for writing. So tell me about using it for this main character that you did for your friend. I find that really interesting. I read that in your book and I thought, what is this all about? (laughs) I think it's really, I think of characters when you're writing fiction, not as somebody the writer is making up. I mean, you'll hear a lot of writers talk about, oh, my character talks to me and I don't know, people may have different feelings about that, but I think it I think it makes sense. I mean, I'm working on a novel right now, and I think of it as a process of getting to know the character. It's not a question of deciding who they are, it's learning who they are. So given that my background is in art history and psychology, I think that imagery and psychology are really connected, and that using the image of the tarot, you can use those cards and the types from the cards to get to know characters you have and to find hidden depths in them that wouldn't be there if you just said, this is a woman, she's 35, she has this kind of job, and she's had a bad day, and I'm going to write a book about it. Instead, I like to come from a place of, okay, this is a woman, who is she? And then I can pull a card and say, oh, the tower, she might be having a tough time right now, you know, and, and say, okay, well, let's look deeper. Why is that happening? Or I think of it more as an interviewing process. Like I'm interviewing the character with the deck so that I can get to know them better and do a good job as a writer telling the character's story. I think of myself as an ambassador for the characters I'm writing for rather than their creator. I just don't think that I don't know. I don't I don't like to take that responsibility. Maybe that's my own issue of not wanting to be in charge as the writer. But I think that a, a thought of getting to know a character works better. And I think that tarot is a way that you can get to know them really well. Well, I love what you say about not wanting to be the creator. I think that really applies to tarot, too. You know, when you're doing a tarot reading for someone, you're kind of like a vessel, maybe, a channel. It's not like you're I'm in control doing this reading, you're a tarot reader, it does seem oftentimes like there's just something flowing. And um, I don't like to look at it either as like, well, this is all me. It's got to be something a little bit more than that. Definitely. I think the other thing too, is that characters are not who they appear on the surface. And so one of the things I like to do in particular at playing with dialogue is Nobody has a conversation in real life that sounds like, we need milk. Would you please get some milk? Yes. In fact, you're right. We do need milk. I will go get the milk. 
No, it's two people. Maybe they're in a relationship and one of them is a little resentful. The other one never gets the milk and that's what's going on underneath. Or maybe one of, and then the first person is worried the other one's having an affair. So it's maybe like, did, did you notice, did you notice that we had milk? Oh yeah, I I saw that, but you know, I was busy. Really? Okay. You know, that there's something underneath every conversation or, you know, in order for, for it to be interesting in a book, there should be. So you can look at a conversation and then pull cards to look at, maybe what's the issue underneath this conversation that makes it an important conversation to include in this scene. And I find that really interesting and a way to add depth quickly. Mm -hmm. So let's say we are having a conversation like we are doing right now. And let's say the card I pulled is, hmm, how about the hermit? What might that say about this conversation that you and I are having right now? Okay. I would think if I was writing about a character and they were having a conversation with someone else and then pulled the hermit, I would wonder if maybe the main character wasn't so eager to be being social. Maybe they're a little introverted. Maybe they're feeling anxious and they're worried about having that conversation and they're going to go home and think about, was that okay? Did that work out? Or maybe they've overextended themselves. They would prefer not to have so many social engagements. And then they're thinking, oh God, I've had this conversation and and now I'm going to have to talk about stuff. I'm going to feel silly. So I think that you can do things you know, pull themes from the card to look at what issues the character might be facing. I love that. And so what about let's now let's turn it around and talk about using it as a prompt for a storyline. So let's say again, I pull this hermit. Now, Mm -hmm. how might that inspire a storyline? Well, I think the first thing to say to people listening, I think people listening to your show know quite a lot about tarot because they've learned it from you. But I think something that's helpful to think about when you're writing is not to run to the explanation book at first. When you're writing, I think an advantage that the cards have is that visual imagery connects to your unconscious. And the brain abhors a vacuum. It will always try to provide an explanation. So first of all, look at the the hermit card that you might have in your hands. Look at how the person is depicted. There's lots of different hermit cards. Some of them are women hermits. Some of them aren't. I mean, the Rider Waite, which I know you use a lot, is mm-hmm. depicting one holding a lantern up. And there are particular ways that they're shown. But I would look at the card itself and say, who does this, who does this figure remind you of? Um, why, why are they in this situation right now? Where, where did they come from right before here? And if you put even just a journal out and start answering these questions, okay, if I had to tell the life story of this person, what would I say happened? Why are they here? What's this lantern for? You know, why don't they have electricity? What time period is this? Um, do they just love candles? You know, are they, have they just walked away from someone? Is there someone else in the picture or are they alone all the time? Is this kind of a, a St. Francis situation? And if you start asking yourself these questions like, where are they coming from? Where are they going? How did they end up in this situation? Then you can start to see all kinds of dots start to connect and you see little plots coming off of them. I mean, we make stories out of everything. We look back on our lives and what we've done from when we were born until where we are now, and we make stories about that. I'm the kind of person who fill in the blank. We all have these stories about ourselves. And you can do that with a picture. We look at pictures in the newspaper. We look at pictures on Instagram. We look at pictures everywhere. And we immediately have a story jump in. It says, oh, I know what happened here. So use that to your advantage. And then Keep asking why. Why is this happening? And then you'll find yourself in the middle of a story or maybe even a whole book. Mm, I love that. Now, what about for character development? 
So mm. now let's say the card I pulled is the Empress and I want to develop mm. a character. Um, what, how could I use that as a prompt for developing a character? Well, I think, again, I would probably do the same thing from before that we talked about with the hermit and look at, you know, who does this person remind you of on the surface? You could get a sense of it. I think it's good to pull additional cards and have specific questions. So let's say on the surface, we've already gone through the process that we talked about with the hermit, with the empress. She might be pregnant. She might not. She's got something, some potential there, probably a woman. She looks happy, most likely. The empress usually looks happy. So she's pleased with something about her life. So what else is going on? I would probably pull a card for what she afraid of, because if you've got a card that looks very satisfied and happy, you want to know what's going on in the dark. Because if you have no shadow in a book, it's not going to be that interesting. So maybe what's she afraid of? What's her deepest fear? Then you could also pull a card for what's her goal in life? What's this character really want to accomplish more than anything else? And then another one would be, what's standing in the way of her accomplishing that? So if you have those three cards and you start answering questions about who this person is, where they want to go, and what might hold them back, then you have the tension that can build into a plot and into a story. Because basically every story, when you boil down to it, is somebody wanting to do something and having a lot of trouble doing it. And in the end, maybe they got to do it Maybe they didn't, or maybe they realized that it was better that they do something else entirely. Um, that's pretty much what every plot boils down to in the end. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. You mentioned about pulling additional cards. Um, so obviously you don't want to just do, I'm assuming, one card that maybe you want to have the multiple cards, you know, or do you need them? So that's very interesting to me. I think it it sort of is whatever is most inspiring to you. If somebody just pulls one card and they've got a whole person's biography, boom, right in their head, there's no need to pull more. But I think that sometimes we get stuck and we tell ourselves this. I lived in Maine for a little while. And one of the things I love that people would say, apparently they say this in Ireland also, is you can't get there from here, you know, because there are these roads that go around in weird directions and it's difficult to get through. I think when you get into that situation, sometimes the gap between where your understanding is now and where you want it to be in order to work on a book or a character is too large. And so I like to think of pulling a card as putting a little step stone down that bridges the gap a little bit. So let's say I have a character who's really happy and satisfied with her life, but I'm writing a thriller and she has to murder somebody by the end of the first half of the book. And I can't figure out what would make her so angry. What would make this happy Empress character so angry that she went, you know, crazy on somebody and did something really violent? I don't know. She seems actually like she's doing pretty well. So you could pull a card saying, what would push her? What's what's her weak point? What would drive her to that? And see what it is. I mean, it could be something like the five of uh, the five of ones. Maybe you've got some infighting. She's jealous. Something makes her jealous. Or she could have something with swords. Maybe it's her interior thoughts. Maybe it's the eight of swords. Maybe nothing is wrong, but she believes something is wrong. And so therefore, she gets spun out. Um, I think that looking at ways you can get closer to where you want your story to go is a really good use for cards. I love that. And, you know, you mentioned the minor con, and now your book is all majors. So I was going to ask you, do you recommend using only the majors, or do you recommend that we mix it all up? 
I personally use the whole deck, Um, but I was working with this particular group and I was looking at the majors specifically for the book because in my mind, the majors are the archetypal journey of the character. I've got two more books in my head that are going to come out at some point. And I think of the court cards as being kind of a character structure. And then I think of the minors sort of ace through 10 as a way to look at plot events um, but I haven't written those yet, so I can't recommend them yet, but they will, they will come eventually also. Yet. I love that word yet, because it always <laughs> leaves me with anticipation. So, you know, the other thing I want to ask you, do you recommend pulling cards blindly or deliberately when you're using it as a writing prompt? What makes, what, Interesting. which one would might make more sense over the other? I think you could use them both for particular reasons. Like say you have a character and you've done some character development, like our hermit or our empress that we've already mentioned. I think it's completely reasonable to say, prop the empress who really connects you with your character up against your keyboard as you're writing and have that card out as a prompt. Or if you're writing a particular scene that you want to have a particular feeling that you associate with a certain card, by all means, pull it and put it out and use it visually or journal off of a card. What does this card mean to me? You can really go through and get into it. However, I also think it's great because your mind will fill in and may come up with something unexpected um, that you wouldn't have seen otherwise if you pull cards blindly. Uh And you may say, it's particularly the cards that you think, what is this? This has nothing to do with this story. Sometimes if you puzzle on it a little bit, you think, oh, but if this happened and this happened, then that absolutely fits. And that can give a really fresh take and make an unexpected kind of sizzle or sparkle to your story that you wouldn't have found. I think I've interviewed a lot of thriller writers, um, which is interesting because I'm not writing a thriller, but I keep referencing them. Um, but I've written, a, I've, I've spoken with a lot, and I always ask them, "Do you know? Did you know how this was going to end when you started writing it?" And about half of them say yes, and half of them say no. I had no idea. Wow. I just wrote it and I figured it out. Um, and I kind of love that because I think if I knew exactly how the book was going to turn out when I started writing it, it might sound kind of stale. So Mm -hmm. I think being able to pull things that are fresh and unexpected can help to make the book fresh and unexpected, which is both more fun to write. And I think in the end, maybe more fun to read as well. Oh, absolutely. Nobody wants to know something that's too predictable. That's why I'll say with tarot, as far as predictions are concerned, and with astrology, they're not a perfect science. I mean, you can't see anything that's coming. We'd like to believe that we could, but life always has surprises or things may be misinterpreted. So there's always that fun element of being open to, okay, this might happen, but maybe not the way I'm anticipating it. And I love that feeling. I love it too. And I think it's a great thing to play with in a plot. There isn't just one interpretation of a card. So another way you can do it is if you pull a card, you're not sure, you can ask a bunch of what if questions based on different interpretations of that card. So let's say we had the hermit and say, okay, what if she's really nervous about being around other people? Or what if she really wants to be alone? Or what if she hates being alone, but it's something that she has to do in order to move forward and see which one feels the most engaging and the most interesting, then that's the one that's going to be the most useful. It's not really a question of getting it right in air quotes. It's a question of figuring out something that's going to help you keep writing and feel engaged and excited. And as you and I both know, as writers, oftentimes it can get we can lose our momentum or we get stuck. Um, so having tools like tarot can be a great way to keep keep things moving along. 
Definitely. And I think having something that's not words is helpful because I studied both photography and art history, but I also studied writing. And I find that being on kind of a pendulum between stimulation with words and reading a lot and also looking at a lot of things visually, it just stimulates a different part of your brain. And so tarot is a nice one to bring in that may bring up deep pieces that you wouldn't see just by doing written prompts or reading other work. Um, It gives you access to different reference points, which I think are important. You know, that's why I like music too, especially music videos. Yes. When they started doing music videos, I really loved it because suddenly you're seeing the artist's interpretation or you're seeing something very unexpected. Um, So I adore that. I love watching music videos all the time. They're very inspiring for me. I get a lot of my own inspiration for my writing also through music videos and music. That's amazing. Yeah. So um, I love it. One other thing that I want to do with you. So you've got these really cool prompts also that you include in your book for um, the cards, and I really think that's pretty genius. So could you explain? Like I want to. I have the devil in front of me, and mm. you have for your devil. And you know the devil always gets a ba- bad rap, doesn't he? And I was thinking a lot the- of them do. <laughs> a lot of them do. And the devil's like my favorite. The devil's like the the ultimate shadow card, you know and. Oh. So and I good. always think of the Rolling Stones, Sympathy for the Devil, which is one of my favorite yeah. songs ever. And that's such a dark, heavy, intense, kind of sexy song. So, um, you know, anyhow, we got the devil here and you've got a couple questions. And so let's, could you share like the questions and how that might um, help inspire someone to work with the devil? I think, well, the first thing is, is that don't be afraid of the darker looking cards in the deck. In particular, if you imagine a book where nothing bad happens, it's not going to be as interesting as a book. So you need the devil, you need the tower, you need all of these cards. And I think the thing that's really interesting about the devil is the nature of things that are forbidden or shadow. One of my favorite interpretations of the devil is in the housewives tarot, where in the center, there's just a giant piece of delicious looking chocolate cake. And so I think whatever you think of that's forbidden, um, things that you feel are forbidden in this world, world of the book that the character could go out and do something really crazy. There's something presented. I mean, the devil to me is about affairs. It's about, you know, going into the underworld. It's about mystery. And so asking what is mysterious and forbidden to your character is something that I would absolutely do when you pull the devil. Also, what feels forbidden and Un, you know, untouchable for you as a writer? Are you afraid to write certain kinds of scenes? I mean, this is a ridiculous example, but for a really long time, I would refuse to write dialogue where there were more than two people present. As soon as you got a third person in that scene, I felt like it was like the big Lebowski and there was just one character, you know, and it was like, you're out of your element, Donnie. And that was the only thing that character was allowed to say. And it was just difficult to create a conversation. So that isn't a really particularly forbidden topic, but I had made it a forbidden thing to write. So maybe you don't like writing sex scenes. Maybe you don't like writing certain kinds of interactions. Maybe you're avoiding those things. When you pull the devil, think about what's forbidden for you as a writer and how can you bring that in? Because it can really add life and spark to your work. So these are the kinds of questions that I have that aren't necessarily like something bad's going to happen in your life or something <laughs> when you get the devil. It's more, how can you make something really juicy and forbidden happen mm-hmm. in your book? 
um, it's a completely different way to relate to it. And it doesn't have to have anything to do with your life at all if Mm -hmm. that feels really scary. You know, it's really interesting. I do this exercise with my tarot students called Good Cop, Bad Cop. Also like good card, bad card, where you take like a so-called bad card. Now you have to find the good thing in it. And then you take a so-called good card. Now find the shadow in it. What is Mm. the negative side of the sun? Well, it's having a naive attitude, walking through life thinking nothing's going to happen to me. Uh, Whereas the good side of the devil is, you know, that time when you recognize how you got yourself in a situation and when you recognize how you got yourself into it, well, that's the key to how to get out of it. So, you know, sometimes we need that. One of the things that you say about the devil, going back to this in your book, is often in writing villains or antagonists, we can fall into the trap of flattening characters because we don't relate to their weaknesses. A pacifist writer will have trouble with a murderous villain as a broad strokes example. Could you just elaborate on that a little more? I found that really super juicy when I was reading your book. Yeah, absolutely. I think that... I think that can be hard for us to relate to certain kinds of characters. And there's all kinds of books where you have really intense, dark figures. And in order to make them believable, people need to find, like you're saying about these cards, you need to find something positive about them. You need to find something compelling about them. And something that isn't, you can't just say bad, 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 and about somebody. So if you have a villain who's just everything is terrible about them, they're they're horrible, they're mean, they don't care about anybody, there's, there's, there's nothing to give them any depth. But an example is, say you look at The Godfather, and you look at Marlon Brando, who's, you know, having horses' heads cut off, he's killing people whenever he's mad, but he's got this little kitten in his lap, and he's so sweet with the little kitten, you know? And we always think about that image of Marlon Brando mm-hmm. with a kitten as the godfather. And he he can't refuse a favor on his daughter's wedding day. You know, he has his principles, and it's these idiosyncrasies of forgiving people on his daughter's wedding day and holding a gentle little kitten in his lap that make us feel like this is a real person. Mm-hmm. But if he just killed everybody relentlessly, didn't ask any questions, just said, I don't like you, I'm going to kill you, we wouldn't believe it and we wouldn't care about him and we wouldn't invest in him in the story. So I think that being able to find something relatable in your characters, even the ones you don't like and the ones you kind of wish weren't there, mm-hmm. I think that that work will be worth it to you. And I think that sometimes it's about connecting to aspects of ourselves that we don't like to look at. So we have to admit that maybe there is something about us that's like the Godfather. There's something about us. I mean, I love cats, as I know you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I really relate to that kitten. And so if I write a villain who really loves cats and is really great with cats, then I'm going to have to admit that there's something about them that's like me. And I'm going to have to admit, are there other parts of them that I would relate? And that's part of what makes writing amazing. It changes you as a writer. It's not just about writing a good story. Right. And when you think about real life, too, I mean, there's people that maybe we think are pretty horrendous people doing horrible things in the world, but yet to their families, they might be seen as completely different. Exactly. They, they get to see their soft side. So why wouldn't we get to see that in a character? Why won't we see someone holding a cat? You can't have something all bad. No. Or all and good. By the same, all good. Yeah, you can't have everybody. I mean, everybody uses Pollyanna as the terminology. But if Pollyanna was secretly like a pyromaniac, then, I mean, how exciting would that be? Yeah. So she's sweet, tells everybody to be optimistic, and yet she's secretly burning things down in, in the back. That would have been an amazing story. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things that Game of Thrones does really well. They yes. show all those, and that's why it's such a compelling story, and they show all the characters as 
They have arcs where they might seem like they're bad, but they're good to somebody, or maybe they do some good things, and then they do horrific things, and then they come back around. And it's like, oh my God, now there's something about them that I, I love. You know, it's, it's just fascinating. So I love how writers are able to do that. And I think seeing a character over time is interesting also. So depending on how long your story is, even if it's just a short story, it's also helpful to have somebody change. So maybe they are really dark and difficult at the beginning, but they learn something in the course of the story and they change, or it could go the other direction. They could right. be super optimistic and then something happens and they become disillusioned and then it's a little bit of a tragedy. But if people are transformed through the process, you can pick a card to say, okay, well, how are they going to transform? What is mm -hmm. it that's going to push them one way or the other? That can be really fun too. I love that. I think um, your book is great. It's amazing. I think it's going to help a lot of writers. And for those of us tarot fanatics who have a creative side, I think this is also really great for us. So where can people find your book and where can they find you and learn more about your work? I am at carolinedonahue.com and my books are on there. They're also pretty much anywhere you can buy books online. Um, I think they're on Amazon in every English speaking market. So you should be able to find them where you are. But I have um, carolinedonahue.com slash books and you can see my books there. Well, I want to thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and all these creative ideas with my audience today. Um, I really appreciate you being here. Oh, I'm so grateful to be here. I'm always eager to talk tarot with you. And I love to talk tarot and creative stuff with you too. So thank you. Thank you. You're so welcome. All right, guys, that wraps up this episode of Tarot Bites. And you can check out lots more tarot goodness on my website, thetarolady.com. I've got lots of things for tarot newbies and the tarot coloring book. And a brand new book coming out really soon, Tarot for Troubled Times with my co-author Shaheen Miro. There's also hundreds of blog posts, astrological forecasts, pretty much everything astrological and tarot that you uh, could, could uh, spend hours and hours over there fiddling around with. So go there and enjoy. And I want to thank you again for listening, and I hope you have a beautiful day. And hey, if you're digging this little podcast, do me a favor. Head over to iTunes and leave a kind review because that's going to help more tarot-curious people find their way to Tarot Bites. And as always, I like to close out by saying... Pay close attention to your intuition throughout your day and let it guide you into making brave, excellent choices. Remember that you are always in the driver's seat of your life. You are in charge of your decisions, your plans, the action steps that you take or don't take. You're the boss. And if you don't like where your life is headed right now, you can change that. Nothing is ever fixed in stone. The tarot cards tell a story, but you write the ending. <laughs>